Welcome to another installment of the Sports Red Podcast for your for today, December the thirteenth, twenty twenty one, and you know where we are live on Facebook. Sports Red Podcast is the group. You know where we are, and you know to get over there, tune in, check this out, check me out. You got me today, so I, I'm not. 100% sure um, what's going to go on today. So, But as usual, you know what we do. We're going to start out with some news, some scores, some updates, and some scores. And then we're going to get into the meat of the show. Uh, Marquita Edwards, all the way from Texas, tuning in. I appreciate that. Old neighborhood friend, diehard Lakers fan, sports fan, always tuning in. And most of the time when she comments, or pretty much most of the time, but... Pretty much all the time when she comments on stuff that I post and on the show, she is always giving good, good, intelligent insight. So I appreciate you for that, uh, Miss Marquita Edwards. So it is nine days until my birthday. So we'll be celebrating real soon, real soon. I'm sorry for that being kind of loud, but that's just excitement because my birthday is coming. Also, it is officially, we are officially rather, into that old cliche, 12 days of Christmas. Today is December the 13th, so, you know, you're welcome, Marquita, no doubt, no doubt at all. You are welcome for the shout out. No doubt, we are 12 days away from Christmas. Like I said, today is December the 13th, and in 12 days, it will be Christmas. So, in the comments or later on in the post, once this goes up after the show, we're going to talk a little bit about, about Christmas. Um, we're going to have one more show before Christmas. So maybe next week I'll have the guys here and we'll talk a little bit about how we feel about Christmas this year. Uh, whether the holiday season is really into us this year after what we've been through the past year well we can say two years now because this year is just about over so again nine days until my birthday 12 days until christmas here we go we're gonna get right into it we got some news then we're gonna get into some scores and then you know how it flows here we sometimes we take a break but depending on where we are we may just flow right into one of our first topics so here we go. Your news for the weekend and for the week of December 13th, 2021. Dame Lillard is being reported as off the table. And all the reports that I've seen and every alert that I've gotten uh, is giving me the impression that the Blazers are very adamant about not moving Dame Lillard. There was a lot of speculation where people thought because of what went on with the GM and then the ultimate firing of the GM that they would possibly be looking to move Dane with the situation or the state of the Blazers right now. Also, remember, you've got that serious condition or that serious injury with C.J. McCollum with the collapsed lung. So he right now is pretty much off the table in the trade. So we don't know what the situation is truly with the Blazers they may sit pat, you know, we got about a month and a half or maybe two months to the trade deadline. So we'll definitely see what happens there. Ex-NFL player and TV host Michael Strahan took a trip to outer space uh, over the weekend. 
wish I could talk to him and find out what that was like, but um, I understand it was a very short trip, and he has back. He is back, as you saw yesterday. He was back on TV yesterday, uh, doing his NFL thing. The Broncos yesterday honored Demarius Thomas, which I think is a great thing. Um, as you know, over the weekend I reported that Demarius Thomas was found um, dead in his house. The early reports were that there were complications from an accident that he was in previously. So again, prayers and condolences to his family and you know help helping them get through this tough time. Megan Rapinoe, <clears throat> excuse me, Megan Rapinoe is unprotected in the National Women's Soccer League expansion draft. That is really crazy. Um you would think that a player of her stature would be protected by the team that she was on or team that she was with. But nonetheless, we get the report that she is unprotected. So she could pop up on any team and definitely uh, make that team a little bit better than what they were. Um, well, make that team a little bit better than expected since it's an, an expansion draft. Steve Kerr is reported to, to replace uh, Greg Popovich as Team USA's men's coach. Um, I like the idea. I think uh, it was time for some new blood as we saw how the team struggled a little bit um, this past Olympics. So maybe some younger, some new blood can uh, get some more out of the players. Maybe the selection will be a little bit different um, with a lot of the mainstays getting a little older and a lot of times not wanting to play because of their age and then what it does to their bodies and the rest time that they need over the summer. But then again, you never know. Maybe Steve Kerr can get some of these guys that were not um, playing or haven't played in the last couple Olympics. Maybe he can entice them and get them to come back and things can go a lot smoother for the U.S. men's team. Um, ben, ben Simmons is reportedly open to a trade to the Spurs. I'm going to talk a little bit about that later on down the line in the show. Uh, and there was some dialogue that I had on social media about that. So I'll talk a little bit more about that a little bit later. Reports are out that tensions are boiling over between Urban Meyer, his players, and staff. So we all know that situation there and how that played out with Urban Meyer being in his own bar, getting a lap dance, or apparently getting a lap dance from a patron in that bar. And... Now we get the reports that tensions are rising. I think the tensions were there from that point up until now. But I think now that it's starting to hit some of their alleged or quote unquote star players, where there's talk about it's getting to Trevor Lawrence, their apparent fresh or their alleged franchise quarterback and some other uh, star performers, if you will, on that team. So we don't know what's going to happen uh, in that situation. Uh, he may get fired at the end of the season. He may not. But we'll definitely keep our ears to the street, ears to the story, and let you and report to you what goes on as things progress. Zion Williamson, who we know has been out for the entire season so far. What's up, Frank? Has been out so far for the entire season uh, and allegedly in a rehab process. Um, he suffered a setback, and he's going to be dialed back even further. It's also been reported that Zion has blown to 330 pounds. And if 
anyone tuned in, if anyone remembers, it was mentioned on our show when he was um, preparing to be drafted that he would probably struggle a little bit his first couple years. And no disrespect to him, but it was on the basis that he would be drafted to a not-so-good team. He would be asked to carry a huge load very early in his career. And now we see where the injury has um, put a stalemate, if you will, on his conditioning. He's been dialed back a little bit more, so now we don't know when or if he will make a return anytime during this season. There will be no Kyrie Irving uh, this season seen on a basketball court unless he is traded before or at the trade deadline. Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson was carted off the field yesterday with an ankle injury. Haven't gotten any uh, reports of that, but as soon as I do, you know what I will do. I will post them so you can all get those reports. Also, Auburn basketball is guilty of the highest level of violation in the NCAA. I am definitely going to talk about that story once I get through the news and updates and the scores. And like I said, that story, mind you, is right on the top of, of my notes and things right here. So we're definitely going to talk about them and how they have been sanctioned and what this all stems from. You might be a little surprised uh, when I tell you some of the things about this Auburn, these Auburn sanctions. Moving on to our scores, and I'll give you the schedules like we always do before I close out uh, the show later. In the NBA yesterday, the Bucks defeat the Knicks 112-97. The Nets beat the Pistons 116-104. The Pelicans fall to the Spurs 112-97. The Mavs beat the Thunder 103-84. The T-Wolves outlast the Blazers 116-111, and the Lakers beat the Magic 106-94. In the NHL yesterday, the Predators blanked the Rangers 1-zip, the Ducks beat the Blues 3-2, excuse me, the Panthers fall to the Avalanche 3-2, the Wild fall to the Golden Knights 6-4, and the Canucks get one goal better than the Hurricanes winning that game 2-1. to one. In your NCAA basketball yesterday, top 25 teams that were participating, Jackson State falls to uh, number 17, Iowa State 47-37. Number one, Purdue outlasts NC State in overtime 82-70. Number six, Villanova went up against number two, Baylor. Nova falls in that game 57-36. Number 20, Florida defeats Maryland, well, falls to Maryland, I'm sorry, 70-68. Long Beach State falls to number 16, USC, 73-62. Rutgers just didn't have enough against number 23, Seton Hall. They fall 77-63. And Washington went up against number 5, Gonzaga. That game was canceled for whatever reasons. Also, over the weekend, you saw him here and his team last Monday. The fight was Saturday, and our good friend, Nafir Charles, gets the win over Jonathan Godoy by unanimous decision. Fight was at 2300 Arena, South Philly. And as we talked here on Monday with Nafir and the team, and these are just 
paraphrasing some of their words after speaking with them after the fight yesterday. I'm sorry, Saturday. Uh, it wasn't totally what they expected. It was a win. It wasn't a very pretty win. And that's no discredit to what I saw. But it was just not a pretty win. But the main goal was attained in getting the win and helping Nafir remain undefeated at 8-0. and oh. So, we're going to go into our, right now, into our football scores for week 14. And you know we got to go back to Thursday, um, December the 9th. That game, Thursday night football, Minnesota beats Pittsburgh 36-28. We move into yesterday's games. Uh, Baltimore at Cleveland. Cleveland takes that 24-22. Tennessee blanks Jacksonville 20-zip. Kansas City beats up on Vegas 48-9. The New Orleans Saints bounce back and beat the Jets 30-9. Dallas in a tough one in a very strange game down the stretch. Hold on in overtime, not in overtime, but hold on. And finally beat Washington football team 27-20. Uh, Atlanta beats Carolina 29-21. Seattle outlasts Houston 33-13. Detroit falls again to Denver 38-10. The Giants lose to the Raiders. I'm sorry, the Giants lose to the Chargers 37-21. San Francisco just gets by Cincinnati 26-23. In overtime, Tampa Bay gets by Buffalo 33-27 and in last night's closing out Sunday night football Green Bay beats Chicago 45-30 so with that being said we talk a little bit about the NFL and like I said I'll give you my picks for week 15 uh, later on before we close out the show but we're going to stay here a little bit just to talk a little bit about the NFL. As Eagles fans and myself also an Eagles fan, we were pulling for Washington to lose. I'm not going to say it the other way because you know how that you know how us Eagles fans feel about that other team. But in reference to that, the Cowboys helped out the Eagles a little bit by beating the Washington football team, who is the next opponent for the Eagles, excuse me, on Sunday. And the Eagles, surprisingly, are in a bind or in a way, if you will, where if they win out, go 4-0 in their next four games, and believe it or not, all four of these games are division games. So the schedule looks like this. They're playing every week uh, for the remainder of the regular season. Got the Washington football team coming up this Sunday, followed by the New York Giants. Then again, the Washington football team. And the season regular season finale is against the Cowboys. Rob Reeves, thanks for tuning in. So, the Eagles would, right now, if you look at things, if you look at the grand scheme of things in the NFL and the NFC, the Eagles would arguably need to win out 4-0. And the two wins, two wins against the Washington football team would help them immensely. But we have to 
backtrack a little bit. And we backtrack to that horrible, ugly Giants game in MetLife Stadium. If the Eagles had won that game, they could very easily be looking at a possible three and going three and one to sneak into the playoffs this year. So as it stands right now, they would need to go four and zero, and probably need some help from some other teams. So the bigger hope I think is that the Eagles take care of business against Washington for those two games and then that one more game against the Giants. And hopefully the Cowboys game will also be a help, whereas the Cowboys may be already in position or in a position that they feel comfortable with going into the playoffs and arguably rest some starters so the Eagles could have a chance to steal that game as well and improve their chances just a little bit more of sneaking in to the playoffs. But then you have to ask yourself a question. With everything you've seen for this season, and we're going to not include these last four games, so let's stay there. Everything that you've seen so far this season with the Philadelphia Eagles, this team, the coaching staff, all the criticism, all of the talk, all the chatter back and forth, uh, where they started out very impressive in game one. Then we know what happened as the season progressed. And they picked up a little steam where they were leading the league and rushing for a couple games. Um, I see that they have been attempting to stay with the run and continue to incorporate, incorporate that into the game plan. But again, my question, and I'm getting to it now, the question is, would you really want to see them in the playoffs this year? In a lot of ways, as a fan, you could say yes to kind of buck the system of what was actually projected uh, from the beginning of the season. That would bring some joy to some Eagles fans. You also could say yes because with the young team like they are, you could arguably say they could get some of this experience, have a little bit of momentum to carry them into next season or have something to bring into next season. And then on the other side, you can argue and say, really don't need to make the playoffs, really don't want them to make the playoffs because it would kind of uh, be a waste of a game because they would be at the very bottom if they got in. And they would arguably go up against the second best team in the conference. So, and they they would have to go, excuse me, on the road. So, and on that note, you kind of could argue and say, nah, we don't really want them to do that. Because you don't really know what kind of hold or what kind of pressure if you will, it would put on the young team. You don't know if it would actually weigh heavy on them if they got in, had to go on the road, and lost in that first playoffs game. So in a lot of ways, you kind of would want them to get 
the fight out and maybe not make it. So they have that taste in their mouth of almost making it, which could fuel them again, like I mentioned, for next season. Is That's kind of where I am with it. Uh, again, when we talked about predictions and records for our teams of our show, myself or the Eagles, Frank and Baldy of the 49ers fans, I mentioned that they would be somewhere between six to eight wins, I believe I said. And they can achieve that, which is actually better than what a lot of the predictions were, the early predictions were. And I was one who actually said in the beginning that I felt like they would be just a touch better than what a lot of people expected. And if you just play the numbers record-wise, they are proving that. Uh, a lot of people had expected them to only win four games the entire season. They've surpassed that. Again, that ugly game against the Giants really, really is looking like it's going to play a huge factor uh, in this trek down the stretch for them to possibly get in or be left out. So you have to take into consideration that you have first-year head coach, first-time starting quarterback for the full season. So there was a change, a major change. And there's always going to be the talk of the Eagles drafting and their GM, Howie Roseman. There's always going to be that talk. As long as he's around, there is always going to be talk about a lot of the poor decisions, a lot of the poor drafts that have played the Eagles for a long time. They always seem to make some free agent signings that are good. Not many of them turn out to be really good or like a big splash in the water. A lot of times the free agent signings that the Eagles make or have been making currently are serviceable, very serviceable players. But there's always neglect uh, in specific positions that are needed in the tough NFC East, in the tough NFC, and just overall in the NFL. You, you look at the Eagles, and we've talked about this for several years, they made a slight improvement when they re when they signed Darius Slay. Then they this year they signed Steven Nelson. So you had arguably two starting cornerbacks. You still have some issues at the safety position. You definitely, definitely have some issues at linebacker, but you may have a find in TJ Edwards. Singleton is okay, but I think those two guys need help. You need a stud in that linebacking court, a, a general, uh, like we had when there were other linebackers in the Eagles history. You need a stud there. You also are arguably going to need um, a bigger, more bruising type of running back, which they had in Jordan Howard but I don't understand where he has disappeared to the last couple of weeks. They resorted back to Boston Scott, Miles Sanders, 
and Kenny Gainwell. And just in my opinion, with that little stretch they had where they ran 200-and-something yards for a couple weeks, led the NFL in rushing with Jordan Howard. You had the injury to Miles Sanders. Yes, Miles Sanders was your incumbent starter. So he tweaked that ankle again in their last game. But in my opinion, I would have went with Miles Sanders, Jordan Howard, and Kenny Gainwell. And some people may argue and say, well, if you don't want Boston Scott, well, why would you need Gainwell? The difference is you know what you have in the passing game with Kenneth Gainwell. So I can see him being there as the third running back. If you want to feature Miles Sanders, I'm okay with that. But you have to have Jordan Howard in that game. The bruising type of runner that he is, the big body, that helped you sustain those 200-plus rushing yard games has been non-existent the last couple of weeks. I even asked yesterday, and the Eagles didn't even play, like, what the heck happened to Jordan Howard? Where is he? So it's going to take some getting used to. Um, I'm sure there are some fans who can't wait till these four weeks are up and they can kind of rest and get the Eagles off of their mind for a little bit. But, again, in my opinion, and this is just me, I am not looking forward to them making the playoffs. Again, because, like I said, it would kind of be a waste because they would be the bottom team in, the, probably the very last team in, going up against the second-best team in the conference on the road with everything that they showed, the up-and-down season that they had. It would be really tough for them to get a win in the playoffs. So, again, I, I would go with more better them having a chance to make it, fighting to try and make it, and being being there and using that that taste in their mouth of almost making it to fuel them for uh, next season to have a better season and to go into it with a little bit more urgency, a little bit more determination on that side. So there you have it, my spiel on what I feel and how I feel about the Eagles and the rest of their season so far or right now and how I look at them possibly making the playoffs because mathematically right now they are still somewhat have a fighting chance. I'm not going to say that they're in, but they have a very very good fighting chance to possibly sneak in. Again, I don't think it's going to happen, but if it does, it does, and we'll see how they play in the playoffs if they get in. But we don't know, and I'm not looking forward to it. But just remember that I was one of the ones in the very beginning who said that the Eagles team would be just a touch slightly better than what everyone overall expected. And they have done that with the six wins that they have. I believe it's six wins or five wins. I think it's six wins right now. I've just lost track of the wins that they have. So we'll see what happens with that. And, you know, as always, you'll get everything you can from me here at Sports Rap. Live on air or on social media. 11.24, folks, 24 minutes past the 11 a.m. hour. We are going to take our first break. When I return, I'm going to get into 
this Auburn basketball sanctions. And it's a pretty interesting story. It ties into some things that we talked about prior to this actual story or these actual sanctions coming down. And we'll talk about it on the other side. Also, folks, before I go real quick, you saw that we have taken the podcast on the road. We went mobile. We did our first run at the Drake Tavern. Pretty decent turnout. I was comfortable there. I was happy with the way that things went for that first night. Uh, We will be back again at the Drake, and I'll tell you a lot more about that uh, via social media. But again, 11.25 now, 25 minutes past the 11 a.m. hour. It is Monday, December the 13th, 2021. It's your boy, Sports Rap D, right here live in studio, heat100radio.com. I will see you on the other side in just a second. Stay tuned. Coming up, The Bridge, MC Shane. To the second half of the Sports Rap Podcast for December the 13th, 2021. Now, I want to get into this Auburn story, and then I'm going to try and fit in as much Sixers talk as I definitely possibly can. Um, I definitely want to talk a little bit about the huge win on Saturday for the Sixers over the Golden State Warriors. And then, of course, there's some Ben Simmons stuff. And then there's a teeny, teeny bit of Joel Embiid talk in reference or stemming from uh, that game. Marquita, thanks for coming back. Also, thank you, Marquita, for tuning in. Always, if you don't tune in every Monday, I know you see my stuff. Like, like I mentioned earlier, you comment. And Robert Reeves, thanks for tuning in earlier today. And also, Mag, um, I saw your comment that you liked the video. So thanks for tuning in. Thanks to everybody that tunes in. You know, I, I like to say, uh, without you, there is no us. And I'm sure my partner, Baldy, would somewhat disagree with that because he always tells me that if the show, if it wasn't for me, the show wouldn't go. And I definitely appreciate that. But I also feel like if we didn't have the support that we have from our listeners and our followers, that we would still be fighting to get what we want. So we're still on the way, still working. We are still a work in progress, but I am liking the progress And thanks again to everybody that tunes in uh, all the time. So we're going to talk a little bit about this Auburn thing. And I posted it, and I'm sure some of you saw it, that Auburn has been hit with some sanctions. And in a lot of ways, or a lot of people may forget, that a lot of this, what's going on with Auburn now, uh, stems from the 2017 FBI investigation into corruption in college basketball overall. And it hits Auburn particularly because one of their coaches was heavily, or their assistant coaches, was heavily, heavily involved in the situation. Um, I am speaking of one Chuck Person. And if you remember when we talked about that uh, issue back in 2017, Kevin Wolf, thanks for tuning in. 
We talked about that issue back in 2017. And remember, I constantly was saying to everybody that was tuned in, to everybody that was listening and paying attention, that this investigation is just not going to stop when it stopped at that particular point when it started. I think it was maybe like a year later and it started to slow down. And it had went dormant for a little bit, but now they bring up these Auburn sanctions. But I also mentioned to people that you have to take into consideration that once the FBI gets involved, it's an ongoing investigation until they get what they want. Okay, If you don't believe me, you can watch TV and you watch all the different shows on TV, the FBI shows, and then you have some of the police shows where the FBI gets involved. And they're going to get what they want or what they feel the actual case is they're going to get to the bottom of it no matter how long it takes so again i say once the nba sorry not nba the fbi got involved that it was going to be ongoing and that it may go dormant for a little while but some more things are going to come up so just to backtrack a little bit uh chuck person was involved in the initial basketball and college basketball corruption investigation which stemmed a documentary if you will ironically okay you can go and look that up and we talked about that documentary on the air but this investigation this initial college basketball corruption investigation spawned a full documentary so you know you can, like i said you can google it you can look that up and find out more information on it. I'm not going to go back that far. But since we're here and we're talking about Auburn, and at the time Chuck Person was an assistant coach, uh, he was accepting bribes. He accepted bribes to the tune of $91,500. Okay, from a financial advisor. And what he did was he steered players to Auburn. He also scheduled meetings with, with the advisors of two players and their parents okay person was fired and pled guilty to federal bribery charges but the full extent of the ncaa probe into this into the school was not known until friday's ruling okay the charges against auburn are some of the most aggressive and recent infractions cases history so there's some major stuff going on here okay uh it also says states that the associate head coach violated the trust of his of his student athletes and their families rather than protect them he intentionally brought opportunists into the auburn men's basketball program using his influence introduced them to student athletes and their families because of this the two players and their families were provided cash and other benefits and the duo competed in ncaa basketball games while ineligible by NCAA bylaws related to inducements and benefits. They're also going up uh, after Coach Pearl, who they say, and I quote, failed to rebut his presumed responsibility because he did not demonstrate that he promoted an atmosphere of compliance in his program and adequately monitored the basket, the associate head coach, end quote. In short, the manner in which the men's basketball program operated did not reflect an atmosphere where compliance was a top priority. So basically what they're saying was that 
Auburn was aware of what was going on. And some of these assistant coaches and other officials used their power or their friends to do things that were deemed illegal by the NCAA. And they had gotten away with it for a while until now. So in in reference to the coach, Bruce Pearl, is that this is not his first major infractions case as a head coach. Okay, He previously, in 2011, received a three-year show cause for lying to the NCAA in a probe of his program while he was at Tennessee. He was out of coaching from 2011 to 2014, then he was hired at Auburn. He led the Tigers to their first Final Four in program history in 2019 and has endeared himself to the fan base. So he has endeared himself to the fan base. Yes, we can say that. But they have some suspensions. Um, there's a two-game suspension for head coach Bruce Pearl, a one-year show cause for an unnamed assistant coach, and a 10-year show cause for Chuck Persons, who pled guilty to those bribery charges uh, four years ago. Also, the school will be will face recruiting and scholarship reductions, but they were handed a postseason ban. The program will also face four years of probation from December 10th, 2021 through December 9th, 2025. So we, we stay here for just a minute and we understand how all of this has been going on since forever when we talked about it on the show initially when the 2017 when it was the overall just college basketball corruption uh case we brought up how it was reflected in a lot of the sports movies with different sports um we talked about how we knew myself and baldy as fans um of college basketball and paying attention that we knew and being college you know, uh, students and being around college athletics, if not playing college athletics, participating in college athletics, rather, rather, we explained how we know that this goes on all the time. And we know how it has gone on for a long time. But at that point in 2017, it got to an all time high. And again, we saw, like I just read in the article or mentioned in, from the article, Chuck Person. Uh, had taken to the tune of almost a hundred thousand dollars, ninety-one thousand five hundred dollars. So you just round that up, ninety-two thousand dollars, eight thousand dollars shy of a hundred thousand. To convince student athletes and their parents to select Auburn as their school of choice. When that happened, that's when things sort of hit the fan. There was a lot of money being taken and being dished around in bribes in a situation where the sports in these particular instances are considered amateur, which means there shouldn't be this much money floating around. Uh, these athletes are not getting paid for participating in these uh, their respective sports. The schools all have recruiting processes but 
then we have, like we saw in the case, we have schools that go the extra mile to get kids to support and help their program or boost their programs. And it took a while, like we said, but things hit the fan. And eventually um, things happened where a lot of these, excuse me, a lot of these players and a lot of these issues came about and they were detrimental to the NCAA and feds got involved. Like we mentioned, feds got involved. And we know, like I mentioned and I keep saying it, we know what happens when the feds get involved. They're going to get what they want. Uh, ultimately, like I said, like, the, like it referenced in the article, Chuck Person pled guilty or pleaded guilty to the charges. There were other coaches who were involved who took cop pleas in order to either get reduced jail time or not serve any jail time at all. But as we talked about it and we talk about college sports in general, you look at a lot of the college athletes and you look at a lot of these major programs and you just take a step back and you look at the whole entire picture. There are a lot of athletes who, by the grace of God, become very good um, in athletics. And a lot of them come from what we like to say, the inner cities, um, the poor groups of citizens in these inner cities, as we like to say. So basically, they come from nothing. And they arguably are struggling on if or how they're going to get into school um, to further their education at a college or institution. And they figure, yeah, well, I can play basketball. I'll get this scholarship and I can get there. But what is that going to do for my family? I need some help now. So that help is provided. And we know this. I mean, we talked about it back then. And a lot of one of the things I mentioned was for these families to be in the situations they are. And let's just say your your kid plays basketball very well. He's being highly recruited. And there's a team that really wants him, and that team figures out or understands that there's going to be a battle, there's going to be some competition. As parents, you're kind of put in a predicament, if you will, because there are lots of times, and I think this is one of the things they mentioned with Chuck Person, where this assistant coach from this major, major institution with a top flight basketball team let's stay there top flight basketball team that gets tv time uh, has contracts with outside athletic um entities nike adidas things of that nature who's to say where your thought process is or how wrong if you will you are or may be if a coach comes into your house and sees your situation, knows you're struggling. Um, you have other children in that house, but this one, your oldest kid is here, and he's like considered the ace that can pretty much help you get out of the rut that you're in. And this particular coach comes into your house and like sees, oh, you don't have a car. So they just talk to you and smooth it over in general. 
And then they slowly and slyly bring in an envelope. And as they're leaving, they slide a set of keys to a brand new car, brand new truck, whatever the situation may be, on the coffee table where you were just sitting and talking. Then you look up again, and then there's an envelope full of money in there. And with a lot of the situations that these young men and women are in, and it's more so in the men, I guess, on the men's side, who's to say that as a struggling parent, you're not going to accept that money? And then again, like I said, the wool is pulled over their eyes because they get these cars and they get this money and they take it, they accept it, and they are led to believe that it won't affect their child in any type of way. The kid can still come here. None of this will be affected in them. But on the other hand, that's the untruth. It's not true. And a lot of the parents don't really know that it's not the situation that is presented to them wholeheartedly. And this is something that affects a lot of athletes um, and has affected a lot of athletes uh, along the line. Since we had the probe, you know, uh, uh, NCAA and the FBI, when they relinquished these sanctions, believe me, they have done their homework. They know the situation of these recruits uh, when they're being recruited, when they're being thought of. Um, even like in the NFL, these guys, we've seen it several occasions where guys enter the draft or players enter the draft and then all of a sudden a tweet comes out or some other social media facet comes out and they start to fall in their rankings. Uh, sometimes it gets to the point where some of these guys don't even get drafted. So aside from the illegal relinquishing of funds and material items, there's still other entities that go into it you know and the social media aspect now is currently one of the big ones but again like we said it's funny that we know that these types of things have been going on like we like like we say here since forever but because it got to the point where some of these coaches and some of these other persons involved got a little greedy where it was brought to light and now the NCAA and the FBI have been investigating and have now released some sanctions on Auburn. And like you said, it, he got Bruce Pearl got this Auburn team to their first final four in team history in 2019, which was two years ago. Just that quick. They're now banned. And they have sanctions against them where now everything that they did is going to reduce some of their recruiting. So now a lot of those top tier or five star athletes that a lot of these big time schools like to recruit are either going to shy away from Auburn and for the simple fact, matter make it even better, Auburn can't even 
get to these players now because of their sanctions and the stigmas or the handcuffs that are put on their recruiting um, as of late. So it's going to take a while for them to get out of this. Like we said, um, they probably have players that have committed and now decommitted because of these sanctions where they won't have any postseason. So a lot of these athletes are like, why would I go there now when I'm not going to have a chance to play in the NCAA tournament to showcase my talents, especially with the rate of early exits from college into the professional rankings. There's Auburn's in a, a, a top tier conference. So there could have arguably been a lot of TV time. And especially, like we said, because they made the final four, there could have been quite a bit of TV time coming. But now that's not going to happen. So a lot of those players or some of those players are definitely going to look elsewhere. And it's going to be hard for them to get recruits. And the product is going to suffer, if you will. And we'll just see how they make it through, if they make it through, and how they come out at the other end of this particular situation. So 12 o'clock, 12 noon, and I, I want to move on from the Auburn situation. Like I said, um, I posted the article. You can get over to social media. Sports Red Podcast is the group, and look at the article and read it yourself in depth. Or you can later on come back and watch this video again. And if you will, you can leave some comments if you like uh, in part two what I said and how you feel about the situation. You can even ask me some questions if you want, and I'll do my best to get to those questions and answer uh, as many of those questions as I possibly can. So I want to move on now and get into some Sixers talk because we're hitting the home stretch. We're getting close to the home stretch, and I, I have to get some Sixers talk in. I want to start with the recap of Saturday's game in which the Sixers defeated the mighty Golden State Warriors in the Wells Fargo Center in South Philly. Huge win for the team. Huge, huge win for the team. Um, I was thoroughly impressed with the team overall. Um, even more impressed with the defensive play of Matisse Thybul on Seth Curry. Steph Curry, I'm sorry. Seth is his teammate. I, I, their names are so close that sometimes I get them mixed up. But on his defense, um, on Steph Curry, who is chasing Ray Allen for the three-point leader in NBA history. And the team fa following Joel Embiid under his lead came up with the decision that that record was not going to be achieved in their building on their floor that night. And mind you, it was a nationally televised game. Game was on ABC. So that's a great thing, great win for the Sixers, as I mentioned. Also, there has been a lot of dialogue about the play of Joel Embiid. A lot of people are, in a way, if you will, and constantly um, make reference to him not playing enough in the post on the block to their liking. 
In my opinion, uh, I think that Joel Embiid is arguably the best, most skilled five, if you will, in the NBA currently. When he plays, like we like to say, bully ball on teams and in games where he gets the ball with his feet going eight feet from the basket, and then you look up and his shot attempts are from three to five feet from the basket, which is really great. It's something that I love. Uh, I want to give a quick shout out to Claude Robinson, who mentioned some of this on social media. And <clears throat> a lot of the things that I talk about with Joel Embiid are things that kind of reminisce, and some of this Claude brought up, reminisce or remind you of the Shaq era. If you watch these games, and some people take it in a way where they kind of say that Joel is clumsy, he's always falling down, he's always on the floor. But if you watch a lot of these games, there are a lot of calls, a lot of fouls that don't get called in his favor. There are double teams every night. So for him to play on the perimeter, which he can do, it kind of helps him in a way because it gives him that one-on-one -on -one where he can do things that he's comfortable doing. Also, his ability to shoot in the mid-range helps as well. Now, in agreement with what Claude said, some of the things that Claude said, he can shoot the three. We don't want him shooting eight, six, six to eight threes a night. If he shoots two, three, maybe four, I'm okay with that because we know that's how the game has progressed and the game has changed. Um, in some of my dialogue with him and in some of my comments, I mentioned that there are not really any bigs that play consistently with their backs to the basket on the low block in today's game, the way the game has changed. There are a lot more bigs that play on the perimeter but there always seems to be a lot of dialogue around Joel Embiid, who, in my opinion, is arguably better than most of the fives in the league. Okay, you have some fives, excuse me, on some teams in the league that are not even third, fourth options as far as scoring on their respective teams. Joel, right now, gives the Sixers the best chance at winning games. I'm thinking that from the news that I just got, and I'm going to get into in just a little bit, that a trade is going to need to be made in order for them to be more successful than what they currently are. Right now, I think they're like in the middle or in the bottom tier of the top teams in the uh, in, in, the, in the Eastern Conference. But in order for them to get better, there are some pieces that are missing. Like Baldy always says, we are in dire need and have been in dire need for a couple years, for a few years now, of a, a perimeter player that can create his own shot off the dribble and also facilitate and get others involved which could take some of those double teams away from Joel. And then you can see him more on the block in the low post. 
Because we don't have that now, it's very easy for teams to double team and run players at Joel. Again, he's still learning that because it kind of hit him like a Mike Tyson punch going back to, let's say, last season, the season before that. So he is still learning how to navigate those double teams. He has gotten a little bit better. And like we said, there's still some improvements that need to be made. But in today's NBA, you really can't rely on your center to win you games from the perimeter. But when that's in situa- a lot of situations during games, your best option, you kind of have to live with it until things change. So I think what the Sixers did Saturday was they made that game ugly, if you will. They got real physical with Golden State. They slowed the game down to their pace. Although at one point late in that game, you looked at the score and you kind of felt like, oh, here they come. It's going to be a long night. Kind of brought you back to Thursday's game against Utah. But they fought. They clawed. And they got back in it. And they ended up beating uh, the Golden State Warriors in their building. And stopped Steph, Seth, Steph Curry from achieving uh, the NBA record for three-pointers, which was great. So I applaud them for that, like I said. And I hope some things can carry over to tonight's game uh, against the Grizzlies. But... You have to take into consideration the makeup of the team, people, when you talk about or when you begin to want to talk about how you wish Joel could play more in the post. If he gets in the post, he plays the post, and teams are doubling and the other guys aren't producing, then you kind of have to adjust. And you have to get your best option into some one-on-one situations where you have the advantage. And, again, the way today's NBA is set up, a three-point shooting, perimeter game, you have a five that can do some of those things. So you kind of have to use that to your advantage, again, like I said, to get him in one-on-one situations where you have the advantage. I think once they get a player who is solid and consistent in creating their own shot off the dribble on the perimeter, I think you'll see more of Joel in the post. But you got to take the good with the bad right now. And you have to take it for what it's worth and move on. Also, the thing I have to mention is a lot of people have talked about their situations and their playing time and Joel being out and how he's often injured, yada, yada, yada. I say this to rebut that. The COVID issues we had, the other minor injuries that we had this early in the season. Would you rather them happen now or would you rather them happen in April when you're trying to make that playoff push? For me personally, I'm somewhat glad that they're happening now. Uh, The other thing I see where the struggles are were you had players that were brought in as free agents or players that were on the roster last year because of the COVID issues and because of the other injuries 
have been playing more minutes than they were expected to play. But the silver lining in all of that moving forward is down the stretch late when I talk about April. These players now you can put out there and they're a lot more comfortable than they would have been if they hadn't been playing earlier in the season. So we'll see what happens with that and we'll see the progression, I'm sure. Unlike we've seen the progression in Tyrese Maxey. Mentioning Tyrese Maxey, our current starting point guard, we all know the issues with Ben Simmons. Within the last couple days, there have been reports that trade talks have been heating up. There's been talk of a lot of two, three-team deals um, coming the Sixers' way, which I think right now is the only way that the Sixers and Daryl Morey will get what they want or as close as possible to what they want in return for Ben Simmons. There's also been talk and reports leaked that Ben Simmons would welcome the opportunity to be traded to the Spurs to play under Greg Popovich. Some of the things I look at in that situation is the fact that, and you're going to kind of chuckle maybe when I tie this all in, and you'll understand a little bit better. So let's go back a little bit. Ben Simmons, coming from Australia, went to LSU. So in his documentary, again, he says, he states that he only came to play in college because that's what they told him he had to do to get to the NBA. So just backtracking and giving you somewhat of the lineage. In high school, he came to the, to the States to play his last two years, I believe. But he comes and he plays at a five-star basketball school, prep school, basketball school. Then he moves on to college because at the time he said they said, he, you know, the NCAA sanctions required you go to college for one year at least before you make yourself eligible for the pros. He goes to LSU where his godfather is an assistant coach. So there's a somewhat comfortable transition and a little bit of coddling going on. And you know when I talk about him, I use this word a lot, the coddling. Uh, then he gets somehow, some way, he gets to be projected as the number one overall draft pick in his respective draft. And again, I saw it. So you can argue it all you want, but at the time, he was the consensus all number one pick in his in his respective draft. There's no question about that. No doubts about that. But he comes to a team with the head coach of Brett Brown, who ironically knows the family, knew Ben as a young kid and teenager, who also coached his father overseas, who also comes from the Greg Popovich tree of coaching and hear me when i say this where we are now he came into the league and his first coach in the nba was brett brown a lot of familiar familiarity there a little bit more coddling there and also a disciple of george greg popovich so in a way you can kind of understand and maybe see how he could want to go 
and play for Greg Popovich because Greg Popovich was one of the innovators in incorporating these overseas players into the NBA and having a lot of success with that. Brett Brown was there under that. So Brett Brown arguably had some knowledge of it. I'm not going to say he was as good as Greg Popovich in it, but he had some very good knowledge of how to handle that particular situation. So there you could arguably say that could make Ben a lot more comfortable because of that. But you could also argue that may not be the right fit for Ben because Greg Popovich is no Brett Brown. We all know this. Greg Popovich will not stand for this kind of crap that's going on right now. Greg Popovich is not going to coddle his player, as we've seen with the times that he sent star players home for whatever reason. There's been instances when you see him on the sideline digging into star players. If you do your homework and you do your research, Tim Tim Duncan mentions it a lot. Tony Parker mentioned it a lot. Where a lot of times you didn't see it, but there were a lot of times when Popovich kind of laid into these guys as being their stars. So, again, you can argue both sides of the fence here. And like I said, you could easily say maybe it would be a little bit more comfortable because Popovich, again, was one of those innovators of incorporating overseas talent into the NBA. But you can also argue the fact that Greg Popovich is no Brett Brown. Greg Popovich, in my opinion, will arguably not put the ball totally in Ben's hands. That's just the way I feel from watching Greg Popovich in the NBA and also in international competition with the U.S. men's national teams. So the thought process now as far as the trade, as the trade deadline is approaching, is for the Sixers to arguably right now, in a small way, take as much as you can get for him right now. And again, it's not going to be just a one, excuse me, one team deal. Again, the a lot of the chatter has been two and three team deals. And we all know that there's a lot involved when you get into those two, two, three team deal scenarios. A lot of things, a lot of ways that these kind of trades can play out where the Sixers could recoup not exactly the talent that they initially want, but something very close to what they want. And, and at this point, I think that's where they are right now, where we've heard that Dame Lillard has been removed from all trade discussions. We've heard several players and other media members talk about the situation um a tweet from adrian Wojnarowski says the espn is reporting philadelphia's trade conversation has gained momentum again like i mentioned there are two and three team structured deals um it's really crazy 
how we've gotten to this point. And another commentator in Jalen Rose has said, and these are his opinions, he says, you know, um, you become, he come, becomes the asset, you go from getting an all-star from last year's game, or maybe this year's game, to now maybe taking cents on the dollar, depending on what kind of deal you end up with. And that's kind of pretty much the situation that the Sixers are in right now. He hasn't played at all. So people don't know where his game is. He has stressed that everything that's going on with between him and the organization and then the fines coming in have increased his mental health and his mental readiness to play. But like I've been saying throughout the entire situation, you are... As a player, you are under a legal biting contract. If you don't go to work, you don't get paid. It's just that simple. And for you to say that the Sixers' tactics have increased your mental readiness issues leads me and a lot of other people to believe that you were in this thing all about the money and you feel some type of way or things have changed for you because you're not getting paid and you're enduring all these fines. Just come and play. I mean, what better way to increase or show your value than performing on the court? The way that you're performing now outside of playing basketball could very well arguably have teams back away, which is why or some of the reason why teams were not willing to take on what Daryl Morey wanted in return. But on the flip side of that, as far as the business side of the NBA, the stats the previous stats prove it. He's an all-star. So, so, as again, on the business side, you would be belittling yourself if you didn't ask for some type of all-star in return for another all-star. But you can't get that now because your particular all-star has nothing as far as adding to his resume to build that value. People are looking at the way last season ended and then the way this summer and into the beginning of the season has played out and they're having second thoughts business-wise. Again, because a lot of teams could arguably be saying, well, if we make this trade and we give up one of our All-Stars, Les, Leslie Cuff, thanks for tuning in. If we give up one of our All-Stars for this All-Star, and let's just say by chance, things don't go to his liking once he gets here. Could we have the situation all over again in our back in our back pocket? So teams are being a little reluctant. So again, not so much as far as pennies on the dollar, but I think that the Sixers are in a bind right now where they won't get exactly what they want, but arguably with these two and three team deals um, being discussed, 
they could get as close as possible, if you will, to what they want uh, in return. There are some players that have names that have come up that the Sixers would be interested in. And again, I still wholeheartedly think that the Sixers organization is going to take the best deal that will help them as far as a team and an organization and not worry about Ben's demands or inquisitions, if you will, of where he wants to play. Basically, what I'm saying is the Sixers will do whatever they need to do for the benefit of this team and this organization and make a move if and when they do and leave Ben Simmons and his agent to deal with either getting out of the situation wherever he goes or working that situation out however they want to work it out. But this is where we are. And it's unfortunate because, again, like I've also said throughout this whole entire thing, I do agree and I do feel that the team is better with him because of a lot of the things he can do on the basketball court. I am also in agreement with a lot of people that I just feel like as the player that he is playing the point guard position, I need you to take some shots within the flow of the game. I also need you to improve your free throw percentage because as you're playing point guard, you're going to have the ball in your hands late in games. And there are going to be situations where there are going to be intentional fouls. And you need to be able to step up to the line and knock down free throws. Until he proves that, I think a lot of people looking at the situation are going to look back at how the Hawks series played out last season. And I've always said that I hope that that particular situation, and we all know what situation I'm talking about, I just hope that that particular situation does not end up defining his career as he progresses forward within the NBA. So I will definitely... Keep my ears to the street, folks. Let you know everything that I hear. Let you know what the situation is, the updates as I get them and report to you as I always do. We are reaching the end of today's show. So I'm going to go through some schedules for tonight. In the NHL, one-game schedule, the Flames are in Chi-Town to play against the Blackhawks. In the NBA, you've got the Heat and the Cavs, the Warriors and the Pacers, Kings, Raptors, Rockets, Hawks, Bucks, Celtics, Sixers are in Memphis to take on the Grizzlies, the Hornets and the Mavs, the Wizards, Nuggets, and the Suns are in L.A. to take on the Clippers. Again, those are your NHL and NBA schedules. Now, we move into week 15. Uh, before we get into that, though, tonight, closing out week 14 in the NFL, Monday Night Football, you have the Rams are in Arizona to take on the best team in the NFC, the Arizona Cardinals, on Monday Night Football. Moving into week 15, this coming Thursday, you have Kansas City at the Chargers, 
I picking here, I'm going to go with Kansas City in that game. So now that we're getting towards the end of the season in the last couple of weeks, we have those ominous Saturday games coming up as well. So this week is the first week of some of those Saturday games. Saturday, December the 18th, the Raiders are coming into Cleveland to face on the Browns. It's a tough one for me, but I am going to stretch a little bit here and go with the Raiders on the road. New England at Indianapolis. Indianapolis coming off a bye. I'm going to go with the Colts. Let's see. Maybe not the Colts. Actually, I'm going to go with New England on the road in that game. Then we move into Sunday. Carolina at Buffalo. I like Buffalo at home. The New York Jets are in Miami to face off against the Dolphins. I like the Dolphins there. Coming off of a bye, hope we got some bodies healed up. Uh, number, particularly Jalen Hurts and his ankle. I like the Eagles at home. Arizona at Detroit. I'm going to go with the Cardinals there. Dallas Cowboys at the New York Giants. Hate to say it, but I'm going to go with the Cowboys there. Tennessee at Pittsburgh. Coming off of a tough loss. I like Pittsburgh at home. Houston at Jacksonville, tough one here, but I'm going to go with Houston on the road. Atlanta at San Francisco, uh, I know what Atlanta is pretty much. I'm going to take San Fran at home. Cincinnati at Denver, a tough one there. I'm going to go with Cincinnati on the road. Green Bay at Baltimore, the Current uncertainty of the issue with the ankle injury of, of Lamar Jackson. I'm going to go with Green Bay on the road. Seattle at the Rams. Coming down the home stretch, another tough division game. I'm going to go with the Rams at home. Closing out Sunday, New Orleans at Tampa Bay. I'm going to go with Tampa Bay at home. And then next Monday, Minnesota at Chicago. I am going to go with Minnesota on the road there. So there you have it, folks. Those are my picks for week 15 in the NFL. I thank everyone who tuned in today. Appreciate you all. As always, it's Monday. Enjoy your work week. Going to be a fairly nice day today. 50 degrees, maybe mid to high 50s today. A little unseasonably warm for this type of year. So get out and enjoy it. As we like to say, be great on purpose. You know where to find me at sportswrap underscore D on Instagram and Twitter. On the web, sportswrapradio.com is the webpage. YouTube, sportswrap TV. Uh, Facebook, sportswrap podcast is the group page. So get over there and check out the videos there. Remember, get over to YouTube and check out a lot of videos that are there. Make sure you like the videos that you like. You hit that thumbs up button. Then you hit that subscribe button. Subscribe to the channel. And then you hit that bell so you'll be alerted when new video is uploaded to the channel. Also, starting January the 6th, we're going to get the consistency in. 
Like I mentioned a little earlier, we had our first trial run at the Drake. It was a good turnout. I was happy with the situation. So I know what things I need to tweak. And I know you know that I'll definitely be on top of that as I'm always on my game. But starting January the 6th, that Thursday, beginning then, we will be at the Drake Tavern every other weekend, approximately 6 to 8 or 9. And you will definitely see posts as I post them. But get on out. Come on out to the Drake and check us out on the road and have some fun with us. Have a few drinks. You can watch some NBA action, some Thursday night football. Uh, we'll, you know, we'll be soon getting into March Madness. So there's a lot of sports that'll be going on. And just come on out and hang out with us, meet and greet with us. It's going to be all types of things going on there. As always, meet us back here, 11 a.m. each and every Monday, right here on Heat 100 Radio, heat100radio.com. It's your boy D, signing out. I will see you again, like I always say, next week, right here on the air and all week on social media. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your day. Enjoy your work week. Peace. Black Wall Street is now online, baby. That's right. Visit the GW District. Shop the very best in men's and women's apparel and accessories, home decor, office supplies, books, pantry items, and so much more. The GW District is a retail marketplace of black-owned products and media. We're both veteran and black-owned, and we're bringing you the best online shopping experience with products made by small businesses. Come and experience the GW District difference today at shopgwdistrict.com. That's shopgwdistrict.com. The GW District, a retail marketplace of black-owned products and media. That's right. That's right.